0: Warning: Tongue and Geek contains heavy spoilers. If you haven't read, watched, or played the content being reviewed this episode, know that we will definitely spoil major plot points. Also, this show isn't for kids. We use words like f-, d-, and f-, and it would take too much time and effort to edit them all out. Please don't tell our moms. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to Tongue and Cheer, where two more white guys on the internet share their unsolicited opinions on all things Holly and Jolly. I'm Isaac. I'm Tyler. And for our final episode of this year's Tongue and Cheer, and the last episode of Tongue and Geek Season 2, we are reviewing... Batman Returns, the 1992 sequel to 1989's Batman, directed by Tim Burton and written by Daniel Waters. Tyler, would you like to give us some background on this one? Indeed. <laughs> All right. Let's start at World War I. <laughs> um... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of Batman originated in...
1: <laughs> that was just a joke, be a... Because the visual presentation of the movie, the set design and all that, was inspired by German Expressionism, which was an art movement, primarily film movement, post-World War I Germany, that uses abstract and highly subjective set and art design to visually represent the psychology of the characters. So. With
0: lots of faces, apparently. Faces, faces
2: everywhere. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes. Isaac doesn't understand faces. There's oh, lots of God. faces. Background. Oh, I could I could just ramble. This this is Go one of the episodes where I can uh... This is like the Gremlins episode. Okay, this is your start.
0: Christmas present. This you is, you got
1: the reins. Gremlins part two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's uh let's fast forward from World War One to uh okay. my childhood in the early nineties. Um I said it when we were watching this the other night that Batman Returns over anything else. Batman related is my foundation, my bedrock of how I view and interpret Batman, even Which over the animated series. Wild. In peace, Kevin Conroy, who just passed a few weeks yes. ago. Broke Very my heart. sad. Well, it's not really wild considering my age, my advanced age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for any of the zoomies, the zoomers that are in our audience, I don't know if we even have any. It's hard to talk about just how successful the first Batman movie was when it came out in 1989 also directed by Tim Burton you know obviously before internet before virality and all that kind of stuff it was it was fucking huge like mm-hmm. massive it has it had one of the most prominent and successful marketing campaigns in film history Jack Nicholson as the Joker got like one of the biggest paydays of all time Batmania they they dubbed it Batmania Because it was such a huge hit. I think it was definitely the biggest movie of 1989, and I think it's in the top five of the biggest movies of the 80s in general Um, Mm. under, like, Return of the Jedi, E.T., Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, and maybe one more other movie. Big hit, of course. So, and Tim Burton was a fairly new director at the time. He had only directed, gosh, um, I think only Pee-wee's Big Adventure and (laughs) Beetlejuice at this point. So, he had Beetlejuice and Pee-wee under the belt. Mm Mm-hmm first one is still very much a Tim Burton movie but um he had you know WB kind of breathing down his neck you know the marketing kind of breathing down his neck it couldn't be a complete Tim Burton movie so when the first one blew the doors off he's like well if you want me to make another one it's got to be my movie yeah and so <laughs> WB said all right make your Batman movie and Tim Burton made Tim Burton's Batman movie yeah <laughs> and for the longest time that is either why people absolutely adore it or why some people absolutely hate it. Um there's a quote fast forward to release.
0: There's a ahead. quote by the writer, um Daniel Waters where uh he said that Burton and I never really had a conversation about what our fans of the comic books going to think. We never thought about them. We were really just about the art, which is nowadays you say that now yeah, you say that now and that you sounds say like that sacrilege you're blow yeah the yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> i've listened to some interviews with daniel waters and he's mm-hmm. hilarious about how he's just like i i don't give a shit about the fans. <laughs> he doesn't hasn't he doesn't hasn't said i don't give a shit about the fans mm-hmm. but more or less he's he he's very sarcastic yeah. about it fast forward to 1992 when the movie's release still made a shit ton of money but not Quite as much as the first one, and it caused a massive controversy because of its dark and violent mm, nature, sexual and, um, nature, <laughs> <one of the laughs> sexual nature, very horny movie. We'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. um One of the funniest things is that there was a big licensing deal with McDonald's, and they had all the Happy mm-hmm. Meal toys. And of course, McDonald's hadn't; they didn't see the movie. They're just like, oh, we're
2: gonna have the, the McDonald's mm-hmm.
1: toys. And um <laughs> the movie's backlash started. They're like, "Hey, wait a second. This isn't like any of the toys at all. What the fuck did you guys do?" <laughs> oh god, they um they even had like a fucking they paraded a kid out like on stage at some like talk show to be like, "As a child, I'm offended by the, the violence and scariness of this." Film. This is your child voice, huh? Just... This sounds like an 85-year-old woman child voice. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, kid, you're about like 12. I'm going to assume that they gave you a script and paraded you out here to say this shit. But if by some chance this is your actually, this is your actual opinion and you did this of your own volition, shame on you, child. Shame on you. (laughs) Batman Returns had a very mixed reputation for a long time Mm -hmm. but over the years it has kind of become like the cult favorite batman movie of all the batman movies um it's the one that appeals to all the weirdos and the and the freaks and the miscreants and the outcasts specifically for its unique tone its unique vision and just how it's pretty much not anything you associate comic book movies with oh yeah absolutely absolutely as a kid, I always loved it because you know it was it was Batman and it was Penguin and it was Catwoman. I was just watching a a Batman thing. I rediscovered it as a teenager. Ever since then, I've only f- fallen in love with the movie more as I've gotten over. <laughs> so it's not just a nostalgia thing for me. It's 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 a movie that has that I have reinterpreted and discovered a new appreciation for and new and new ways to look age at like it. Age like wine. Yes, age like wine. So yeah, I am a proud flag-waving
0: member of the Batman Returns kicks fucking ass. <laughs> I've got some fun bits of trivia here about the uh, making of this movie. Spit uh, first off, that scene with <laughs> Catwoman putting the bird in her mouth, totally real. No CGI, mm-hmm. no practical effects. Yeah. She actually put a live bird in her mouth. Yeah, which uh scary for the bird, scary for yeah. Michelle flavor. <laughs> oh, PETA had a fit over that one. <laughs> Um, uh <laughs> the circus monkey that is part of like the gang that the penguin runs attacked Devito's balls during the scene where it delivers
2: Batman's oh. note. <laughs> yeah,
0: during the scene where it, I did where it was coming that. down the stairs to deliver that b- note from Batman, <laughs> uh while they were shooting that, it jumped at Danny Devito's balls. He had all that padding on which saved him, but like yeah, it went right for him cuz apparently he was terrified of his makeup. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <And> I- <laughs> <laughs> That's something out of It's Always mm-hmm. Sunny right there. Uh oh, it's going right for my balls, Charlie. <laughs> and last one, Batman does not wear boots in the movie. They're Air Jordan 6s, which were connected to an upper, which mm-hmm. give the boot feeling. So, Batman's got his Jordans on the whole film.
1: Yeah, he wore Nikes in the first <laughs> one, too. God, God, where the where the hell to start with... Let's give a quick plot synopsis, just because, you know, get that out of the way. It's not really plot-driven. It's, it's mostly character-driven. Mm-hmm. It's basically... Penguin rises the power from living in the sewers after being uh, thrown out by his rich piece of shit parents as a baby. Raised by penguins in the sewers, yes raised by penguins in the <laughs> sewers you know traditional um, penguin stuff <laughs> <laughs> he he blackmails and hooks up with the dark mirror of bruce wayne in this movie called max Shrek, who is a creation of the film and not a real batman villain well there's probably. a lot of
0: dark mirrors um, of batman in this and we'll get to that yeah it's it's a big theme of the of
1: the story first penguin just wants to find his parents realizes they're dead hatches a scheme with max to run for mayor which becomes successful and amidst this we have the origin of Selena Kyle in this universe, Catwoman, who is murdered by Max Shrek because she is his assistant, and she stumbles upon a scheme of his, and um, she is birthed as Catwoman through supernatural means, which is something a lot of people have problems with. <laughs> and... Uh, in between you just have you have Batman just kind of being his own fucking wacko uh, <laughs> trying to trying to deal with it all, trying to deal with the penguin, trying to deal with his burgeoning love for Selena, and uh hopefully saving the day <laughs> question mark. I think a good avenue into discussing it is mm-hmm. what I said before about how this movie really isn't representative of how we as audience members view and experience superhero movies today because it's right. I've I've heard it described by some critics as an anti blockbuster. And I think that's kind of apt because it's got a big budget, it's gorgeous to look at. It's got action in it, but like it's it's so for a superhero movie, it's not heroic. Yeah. And not in like a, not in like an anti-hero kind of way, but in like a, these are just all broken people doing what they think they have to do kind of way.
0: There's not really a feeling of triumph, even in the finale. Just like, there's no sense of like the heroes i mean there's bits of batman's morality clashing against the others but it's really not the focus of the film the focus is on just how all of these different characters villains especially are dealing with their individual trauma and unhinged nature and you know just watching them degrade throughout the film
2: i'm I'm sorry sorry. my cat is screaming in in the background
0: yeah (laughs) So that's, she through just door. loves this movie. That's like through a was, door. She's just, <laughs> just screaming from the hallway. <laughs> I want to talk about the movie. I want to talk about Batman.
1: <clears throat> the first shot that we see of Bruce Batman in the movie is he's just sitting alone in his fucking mansion, just brooding. Mm-hmm. Just just sitting there waiting, waiting <laughs> to be He's doing needed. nothing. Then <laughs> and, <laughs> and the bat signal comes through the window and he's filled with his, his sense of purpose He's alive again. He's got something to do. Mm-hmm. And I love this portrayal of Batman because he, he's such a malleable character. He's one of the more malleable comic book characters in yeah. comics. I, I just like it when he's just a, a, a weirdo semi-recluse who <laughs> doesn't really know how to function when he's not, you know, on the mission.
0: When he's totally um, broken.
1: <laughs> he's, he's broken in this movie, but not in a way that's like melodramatic or anything like that it's just he's we actually see him functioning like as the bruce wayne persona more in this than we do in batman 89 Mm -hmm. in batman 89 he's just complete weirdo the whole time but here we actually see him oppose shrek as bruce wayne yeah as a representative of wayne enterprises (laughs) of course when he meets selena he did (laughs) <laughs> like weird weird recognizes weird wow. damage recognizes damage.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they're just they're attracted to each other because they see what's underneath the surface and um of course there's that whole when are they gonna find out
0: aspect. <laughs> Which is romance. like oh my god, they are both so bad at hiding their secret identities. <laughs> like there's <laughs> yes. there's a point where they're both like walking down the street looking at the headlines in the newspapers and like Bruce is like, oh, I can't believe they're blaming Batman for all this stuff <laughs> and Selena's like, I can't believe they're like calling out Catwoman for this <laughs> and like it's like they're just walking Oh, they're so bad at it. It's
1: Yes, it's it's a good way that that's a good way to to explain just how much of its own world mm-hmm. this movie is. This 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 is a this is a fairy tale. This is a fantasy mm-hmm. world. There there is no attempt for this Gotham, this version of Batman to be grounded in any real sort of reality. Yeah. It's it's a complete storybook sort of version of a comic book movie. It it can get away with the 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 sillier things like that like, you know, in a, in a more Grounded modern superhero movie That kind of dialog I'd be like, oh my god Like, how... <laughs> Or are they not like, hey,
0: wait a second. You're talking kind of funny. Oh, don't get me started on (laughs) the one-liners in this. There's so so many. I think Italy is actually just (laughs) quoting the scene where Catwoman comes in after Penguin and Batman fight a little bit. She walks right up to both of them, looks at them, and says, meow, and then an explosion (laughs) goes off behind her. And that's her introduction (laughs) to those two characters. Just meow. (laughs) Pfft. Blew up like a shopping mall.
1: I don't know about you, Miss Kitty, but I'm feeling so much easier.
0: Life's a bitch yeah, now, so, so, am so am I. am <laughs> I. I think my favorite though is Batman. He said, eat floor, high fiber. <laughs> floor, high fiber.
1: <laughs> Which kind of comes out of nowhere because he's not really a one-liner no. guy.
0: And like all of a sudden he's just got this goofy. <laughs> when he said something about being hungry and he's like eat floor high fiber and he like knocks her to the ground (laughs) (laughs) oh boy oh god
1: i'm in that pickle where like there's there's so much
0: to talk about
1: so many things yeah so many things i want to touch on but you want to start with the penguin Um, since he's
0: so crucial to this yeah let's start
1: with the pangy mr Peng Peng. the film begins with his origin you fade in on a big mansion could be it could be the wayne mansion for all we know uh, the, the two rich people that we see first could be the Waynes for all we know, but we soon find out that it's not. They have some type of baby monstrosity in some kind of
0: cage slash Yeah, I wanted carriage. to talk about this because it's like, the movie tries to set up some sympathy for the penguin to showing like his abandonment from his parents. He's literally tossed into the sewers. But in the opening scene with him, we see like him from a cage reach out <laughs> and eat a cat. As an infant, so like it's kind of doing this weird interplay of like, is he inherently a monster? Where his parents justify to get rid of this thing? Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, but you know, if anybody has the resources to you know help their child that likes to eat cats, um, it's it's rich people mm-hmm. of Gotham. The the movie kind of is, is wordlessly saying like, oh, they don't, they're not going to bother. It's it's not going to be good for their mm-hmm. image. This, because he's physically deformed, he has, his hands are fused to mm-hmm. so kind of, they kind of look like flippers, and he's got the big nose. You know, just, you know, just toss him and hey, get rid of him. <laughs> Nobody will be the wise Like a
0: reverse Superman, and... I think you called it, where he's just tossed into the yeah, sewer. Yes, so kind, of, and... kind of a per, perverse Superman origin. <laughs> yeah. Adopted by penguins in the sewer, which, why? I know it's an abandoned zoo, but, like, why did the sewers connect to the penguin exhibit? That's so fucked. Because...
1: This is, mm-hmm. Gotham, <laughs> this is Burton's Gotham, my friend. This is Burton's Gotham. I love the whole credit sequence where we're just following the carriage to the sewer. A lot of a lot of birthing imagery, a lot of yonic imagery to be to be seen. Uh, the the uh, sewers can kind of be read as a birth canal because this is the birth of the penguin. At one point, we see the carriage kind of take on the shadow form of a penguin as it crosses a wall—a uh, blink and you'll miss it moment. And uh, yeah, uh, he reaches home base and then there's penguins there and uh, (laughs) cut to Mm -hmm. the future where he's watching Gotham citizens from the sewers. I I love the way they, um, there's so much good visual storytelling in this movie. (laughs) We just see his gloved hands gripping the sewer grates and uh, the big, beautiful Christmas tree in the town square is framed right dead center between the bars. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like he's down there. And he's like the dregs of society, never had a chance. The you know, the privileged threw him out, and there the privileged are right there, looking at you know this like idol of just like you know false joy and happiness and goodwill. He might be a disgusting perverted monster, but um, like like all good villains in comic book movies, he sort of has a point until he goes too far. Mm. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, but Um, don't get us wrong. He is a monster. (laughs) Oh, oh, very good. He somehow was taught English and adopted by a freak show, like a traveling circus. The
1: Red Triangle. Yeah.
0: Somehow came in contact with them and learned, I'm assuming, learned English from them and the penguins didn't teach him English. But, like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) We don't get too many details of how his past all kind of came together, but at some point. He got taken in by that circus. Then he somehow took over the circus and you know started doing crimes in search of revenge and his parents.
1: And um, he has enough information from just digging through trash because he's a, he's the trash <laughs> man to frame Max Shrek, who is you know your amoral, not even amoral, immoral, terrible, evil businessman whose
0: plan makes no um, sense. Okay, Max Shrek's <laughs> plan is that he wants to. N- To open a new power plant in Gotham. Except, secretly, this power plant will drain energy from Gotham instead of producing it. Which is like, the first time someone tries to turn the lights on and they don't work after they set up the Max Shrek power plant, people are going to immediately be (laughs) suspicious. We're not
1: given enough information to to know how it's going to work. I I mean, I assume that the siphoning effect will work in insofar as, like, it doesn't just shut people's power off. It just, just, it's a continual suckage, I would say. That's just, that's my theory anyway. It's funny you mentioned the power plant thing because, excuse me. Uh <laughs> Daniel Waters, Waters so goddamn
0: burpy this holiday season.
1: <laughs> I'm not even drinking anything. Like, I don't know, maybe it's the stress. Daniel Waters wrote the script, but there was an uncredited touch-up by Wesley Strick He's like, yeah, he, he, um, at first I was kind of annoyed by some of the things he added and changed, but, uh, you know, one thing I won't forgive him for is adding that goddamn power plant subplot, like, goddamn, <laughs> <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> so, Dan and Walters didn't like the power plant subplot either, but I <laughs> like it because it gives a chance for Bruce Wayne to kind of be Bruce Wayne, even if it's just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, to see him actually throw his weight behind something when he's not in the bat suit, the, mm-hmm. uh, power plant. Thing doesn't bother me too much. Getting back to how it's Penguin. more character-focused and plot-driven, the uh, Penguin, he doesn't have, like, an overarching scheme. Scheme! Scheme, Charlie. God damn it, I'm going to be making so many well, he
0: Sorry. does, but we don't really see so- it. You really are. He does have a scheme, but it doesn't really get enacted until like the final act. Basically, when well, everything like falls backup. apart. Yeah, it's just like I have this if everything else falls apart.
1: Because when he when he finds out that his parents are de- like he didn't know his parents were dead. Like that that's like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like he was genuinely looking for them and searching for them. So yeah, what he wanted to do if he found them and they embraced them or whatever, we don't know. But oh, kill and eat them for sure. Dead, that's probably maybe. <laughs> But once he finds out they're dead, that's when Max Shrek sees, you know, the the chance to have him run for mayor. Which this whole penguin running for mayor thing is just do we want to get into how sadly applicable it is thirty years ago
0: yeah. to yeah. <laughs>
1: politics? Yeah. <laughs> so and how people can just create images and cults of personality and mm-hmm. Uh.
0: There are parts of it where you think, oh, that's so exaggerated, and then you just pause a moment and think about the last six years, and you're like, no, no, it's really not. If anything, there are parts of it that are a little too grounded for reality (laughs) like there's i think before (laughs) it all falls apart because they play a clip of the penguin saying that he like played gotham like a fiddle or something like harp from hell is the word like a harp from hell basically he's just saying you know like i've tricked all these suckers and It's very optimistic of the film to assume that the people who were going to vote for this nasty little goblin man would turn (laughs) on him after hearing that because God knows we have enough evidence of people saying and doing horrible shit and they didn't lose any of their political power. (laughs) Yep.
1: That's the, I said it like that's the most unrealistic thing in this, in this ridiculous Mm -hmm. movie is people actually turning on the politician when it's revealed that they've said or done something terrible. There's a point <clears throat> where um, he's at a, he like, a rally.
0: There's a point where he's at a rally, and, like, this young woman comes up to him, like, this college student or something, and she's like, I think you're a great inspiration for, you know, the younger generation to have. And he's like, and I think you're a great piece of the younger generation for the mayor to have. And he, like, very, <laughs> very pervertedly <laughs> takes one of his buttons and pins it right on her booba. <laughs> like, super like i'm going to fuck you and like people are watching there are cameras rolling and it's like nobody cares about this he bites a dude's nose off at one point
1: (laughs) oh not off he just makes it gush blood one of the um out of left field violent parts that had people in a tizzy (laughs) i remember that part kind of skeeping me out as a kid and (laughs) then happen because you don't expect it like, mm. one of the, it's like one of the political handlers like says something snide like didn't have uh, many mirrors reflective services down there in the sewers did you <laughs> and Penguin's like oh, it could be worse my nose could be gushing blood and the guy's like what and he just lunges and bites it and you see this giant jet of blood just squirt <sighs> out of his nose
0: <laughs> and then Max Shrek just you know brushes it under the rug he's like everybody get back to work and everybody's just cool with it, and that's a, like, and that's just like another like how many
1: how many gaffes have politicians have have had at like rallies and stuff like that, or mm-hmm. like they say something stupid. Or they do something cringy and like inappropriate, and it's just uh, it's it's a it's a thing for a while, and then we just sweep it under the rug. Remember when it was so, funny?
0: Um, you remember when it was funny? Like the one who <laughs> quoted the Pokemon movie. <laughs> that was funny. That's aha, uh-huh, A politician's <laughs> quoting the Pokemon money movie. So funny. So silly. Can't believe this is where we're at politically. And then like next year. Who's the, who- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: who's the who's the guy that literally tanked his entire political career because he got like overzealous at a rally who 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 is that guy he just he, he goes he was remember. the guy that goes yeah like just him <laughs> doing that tanked his yeah. entire fucking political career and like fast forward to now and it's just like <laughs> that wouldn't even be a blip mm-hmm. anyway
0: um <laughs> anyway <laughs> A lot of political messages in this film that are surprisingly still relevant. (laughs) Yes, surprisingly, no, sadly. (laughs) While we're on that, the police in this movie freaking suck. So oh, bad.
1: Every time worst the, po- the worst police force ever depicted in a superhero
0: movie. <laughs> Every time the penguins goons show up and start wreaking havoc and firing off their guns, not a policeman in sight. The second that like Batman gets framed for a murder, 5 dozen police officers rush up to the top of the building and open <laughs> fire on him like immediately.
2: <laughs> the
0: Batman pushed the princess. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god they're like so w- trigger happy the only... when there's no threat to them and when there is a threat they're all out of sight too fucking real
1: too real uh, or, <laughs> during the finale when the penguin has his goons kidnapping literal children mm-hmm. there's not a fucking cruiser in sight has <laughs> this big train they're not being
0: settled. they're chugging down the street. a train <laughs>
1: oh yeah. gotham poor gotham everybody should just move everybody should just yeah. relocate just burn it down and start Do what over. seattle did and build the new <laughs> gotham over the old <laughs> gotham. should we talk about penguins perviness or
0: yeah sure it's bad <laughs> i mean it's yeah, good yeah, for yeah, the yeah, film but like he is a nasty nasty boy
1: An- another aspect that had parents in a in a tizzy busy <laughs> he says something about like, "I want to show her my French, my French flipper trick." Ugh. Um, con- constantly hitting on Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: oh yeah, when Catwoman yeah, comes in, he's, to the he's like, "There's little... the pussy I was looking for." <laughs>
1: He's got lube by
0: the side of the bed. Oh, so gross. (sighs) So (laughs) gross. And not just because, not because of his physical deformities. It's not that. It's the way. No, not that. It's the way he talks and looks at women in every scene. It's just so gross. Like I said, it's just, it's hard to tell how much the movie wants you to sympathize with him. The movie definitely wants you to sympathize with Catwoman. But like the penguin, it's more like mm, it's kind of showing his tragedy is like tragic origins, whatever. But it's not an excuse for this nasty little goblin man that exists.
1: Oh no, not at all. Um, but I'm not gonna lie. Like during the um penguin procession funeral at the end, where there <laughs> the penguins just like a like a what do you call it?
0: Um, they just like waddle alongside him,
1: guide him. <laughs> Uh, just waddling alongside him as he's sliding down the little ramp into the water when he's dead. Like that kind of gets me every I, time. I
0: don't know why he was a terrible person.
1: <laughs> he was well, maybe not for him, but maybe for the penguins. Because I was going to say we don't see him treat the penguins, but he, he strapped
0: kind of missiles to him and was using a signal yeah. to mind control. I <laughs> was going to say all. he did. He, he did make him a bunch of kamikazes. <laughs> he was going to blow all of his family up. <laughs>
1: Cat- Catwoman. Catwoman is probably the most iconic aspect of this movie. People, even if people hate this movie, they love Catwoman in a show flavor as Catwoman in this movie. She definitely has the most emotional and sympathetic arc in the movie, even if she herself, far from mm-hmm. a hero. Just really good economical storytelling because we meet her in Max Shrek's office during a meeting and she's, she's mousy and she's kind of... She's not stupid or harebrained or anything. She's just kind of stressed well, the she's a, out. Well, she's a worn-down
0: you know, working woman in a man's society. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, obviously, obviously she has, you know, no appreciation, no recognition.
0: A lot obviously. of sexism in this – a yeah. lot of sexism depicted in this film. Let me – we've said this a million times, depiction mm-hmm. is not endorsements. I just want to get that out yes. there. It's
1: it's a bad thing. Yeah. It, people it is a prevalent theme that this the movie, movie. explores. She's just kind of that, that character, you know, where life just doesn't, life just isn't kind to her, just doesn't go her way. Everything's just a big old lump mm-hmm. of shit. She's, she has a, one little mistake and messes up at the job and then she's beating herself up over that and then she comes home. She's in this little kitschy, cheap apartment. And it's all just like pink walls and her mother's a nag and her boyfriend breaks up with her over the answering machine. Just, you know, not living a good life. To be a good employee, to go above and beyond, she goes back to the office to, uh, I can't remember specifically, but that's where she stumbles upon the power plant scheme. And she went because she was looking for the
0: Wayne uh, files for, like, his meeting with Bruce Wayne the next day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the
1: Wayne files. Yep. Shrek catches her. It becomes tense right away because she knows what she found and she's trying to play it off and... He's threatening her, and it gets to the point where he's got her back against the window, fakes her out about hurting her, just to make her have her guard down, and then pushes her out the window where she falls. I don't know how many stories. This is another thing where Batman purists get really annoyed. Like, how does that? How does that even make sense? Does she does she die? Did she not die? How do the cats have the power to bring her back to life? Yeah, That's not a swarm,
0: a and swarm of alley cats just. Run all over her, gnaw at her fingers and stuff, and it resurrects her. So,
1: and I mean, I kind of get it because it is kind of a oh, okay, that happened. But because the world is so heightened, because the tone is so fantasy esque, mm-hmm. it's it's never bothered me, even even as a cynical adult, mm-hmm. it's never bothered me because th- there's something kind of elemental happening with the three central characters in this movie. They're they're kind of totemic in a way they're all represented by animals they all they're, they're all mirrors and reflections of each other they're all marred by some kind of tragedy and their animals are just kind of representative
0: of that every major character <clears throat> in this film is a dark reflection of batman in some form which is good mm-hmm. because penguin catwoman and sh- even shrek mm-hmm. sh- like even it's good because this film really doesn't focus on batman himself as character which in the past I've said, you know, he's one of my least interesting elements of the Batman stories I like. But here it works because what we're seeing, we know the mythos of Batman at this point, And even though it's changing that, we're seeing all these different ways that the same general story beats. You know, m- super influential billionaire, an orphan, and someone who basically had their life restarted after trauma, all of that is being reflected through him. So we don't need to see Batman himself really undergoing so much of his own character arc. We're seeing how all of the ways his character arc could have gone wrong.
1: Yeah. It's you understand Batman through the other characters Mm -hmm. and and that's, that's what makes it work. We don't need some like, I, I don't, I don't know what the word would be. We don't need anything more. I keep saying grounded and realistic, but I guess that's the only thing I can think of. We don't need anything more grounded and realistic because the movie does such a good job of making you understand him through the other characters, while we're also have, doing a good job of understanding these other characters. It's I kind of liken like Gotham is sort of you can almost kind of see it as like Batman's mind, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like fighting with these different aspects of himself in his own mind. After Selena gets resurrected and she goes back to her apartment, it's it might be my favorite scene in the movie mm-hmm. because it's so emotional and it's so raw and Danny Elfman's score just knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. She's just like, you can see like she's just, she is different now. She has everything that she did not like about herself, about how the world has treated her. She's not having it anymore and she just, <laughs> what makes her fucking lose it is just this terrible sexist answering machine ad that she has for- shrek department store perfume about how wear it and like the boss will want to invite you to a candlelit
0: dinner Yeah, right after her boss shoved her out a window
1: yeah and she just she loses it she starts smashing up her apartment spraying things black um she it's she's destroying everything that was her yeah
0: selena self. kyle's dead at this point
1: yeah and now we have Catwoman, and just fans fans love this fucking shot where you you Previously, it's established that she has this little neon sign that says, hello mm-hmm. there. She walks by and she bashes two bulbs, but we don't see the aftermath of that until a couple minutes later with the camera zooming out of the apartment window and it says, hell here. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've seen so much fan art rendition of that shot. It's mm-hmm. so fucking cool. And she just stitches together the, the Catwoman outfit out of just like vinyl, just skin tight vinyl. And she's got these like sewing claws. She just, she stitches together who who her new life just like violently and rapidly and mm-hmm. she kind of just becomes this anarchist sort of vigilante just out to do whatever the hell she wants to do yeah because she's I mean, not she repres- be shackled to her old life anymore
0: Yeah. she represents that element of Batman the the wild vigilante she's not like how she is in the comics where she's you know a jewel thief that Batman runs into every now and then and kind of. Walks that gray line. She is his dark mirror of, I'm going out and getting my own justice, except I don't have the same, like, ethics that you do. Although, to be fair, Batman doesn't have a no-kill rule in this world. He blows up a dude with a bomb, and he sets another guy on fire with the Batmobile, so it's kind of unclear exactly what separates Batman's ethics from hers.
1: Yeah, I- I- It does get a little muddy there. We could go on a whole tangent about the no-kill rule. Um, We've done it before. We've done it before. I'll I'll just do it anyway. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Although the Burton films, the two Burton films, are still beloved today, are still considered Mm -hmm. great by many, there's still that contingent of Batman fans that are just like, they fucking suck. He kills in those movies. That's not Batman. And I just want to say... When Batman first hit the comic scene in 1939 for the first year, year and a half of his publications. It's not a long time, granted, but still, it's the first iteration of Batman. He killed people, unequivocally killed them. He was conceived and written and designed to be a dark, foreboding, figure-of-the-night That sought vigilante justice. Yeah,
0: we've definitely had this. He even used guns. Tyler. He even (laughs) used guns. We've we've had this exact conversation (laughs) before. This is our, did you realize that this is our fourth (laughs) Batman-themed episode of this year? uh i did not know yeah that. we did the batman animated series we did the batman we did the harley quinn series and this is our fourth oh i forgot we have done quinn. more batman this okay. year than we have sonic which i know sounds like a lot because we did a lot of sonic but like <laughs> uh this has been 2022 well, has well, been the year of batman right. and sonic
1: <laughs> as it should be when we get in that be. crossover okay well I'm um, i'm sorry for making you listen to the same spieling. I'm, what
0: What I want to say about the absence of the no-kill rule here, and the discussion I want to take that towards, is we see Batman kill some people in this. He kills some members of the Red Circle gang or whatever, the, the clowns that the Penguin runs, but he's not willing to kill Max at the end of it even though he knows mm-hmm. all of the evidence of Max's crimes he's not willing to let Selena kill Max at the end of it because even though he knows all of the evidence of her crimes so the co- argument or not the argument that the discussion i want to have here is what really separates Batman's killings from Catwoman's uh,
1: i guess pretty much the only thing you could say is that Batman's killings are more circumstantial when he Flips the Batmobile around on that giant like stump that he has in the middle of it, <laughs> I love and, and that. it and ignites the jet engine, and it sets the guy on fire. Uh, you could argue he, you know, the intent wasn't to Tyler. He set, set a, man, a on man on fire. Fire. <laughs> I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying he he his he's not
0: out to seek. He to literally smiled at people. one of the clowns as he placed a bomb on his chest. That's true. <laughs> but he had, to, he had to
1: get rid of a bomb. And as Adam West Batman says, sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. So, um, I mean, basically, you could But just he smiled
0: about it, Batman Tyler. He's a hypocrite. <laughs> he, he took glee <laughs> in that man's death.
1: <laughs> we saw no flames during the explosion. I just yeah,
0: okay. Because flame is the only <laughs> element of an explosion that's lethal, not the high impact concussive blast and the shrapnel. <laughs>
1: You can say that he's a hypocrite. Yes. And um I think that's fine because I think the reason he doesn't want to kill Shrek is because he sees redemption in Selena and he doesn't want her to go down that path. Mm. So I think that's where the hypocrisy comes out is
0: like oh god he doesn't like, want she's just like Yeah, me. he doesn't I mean, want her to. He says it be like him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz Cause, cause he knows he's taken he he's taken life before and he knows he'll do it again. He doesn't want her to be that mm. because he loves her and it's so tragic and it's sad. <laughs> and... Mm. <laughs> Which brings me to the romance mm-hmm. aspect. Th- Selena and Bruce don't really spend a lot of time no. together, but but their chemistry just works mm. and 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 you just for me, at least, and for a lot of people. A lot of people love the, the ship. It just it just kind of works. It, you, you get it, and, and you buy into it. And by the time they're at that gala, it's a costume ball, and they're the only one's not in a mask, which... Yeah, symbolism! Mm-hmm. They find out that they're both... Cap, you know, he's Batman, she's Catwoman, because they're quoting something that they said in costume to, to each mm-hmm. other before. And just the look on their face is just like, oh, shit. Selima's distraught she the way she says do we have this to line, fight now she says does we have to start fighting now it's it's almost childlike mm-hmm. because like she doesn't she found something to latch on to something to maybe take her away from the path that she's going down because earlier we see here she's just kind of like lost in her own thoughts in the street she's just like looking at herself in the in mm-hmm. a window like what am i doing what are you doing selena and Batman is still a bit too naive in thinking that there could be a happy ending for them. Selina knows that there can't, no matter how much they might feel for each other and see each other reflected in themselves. During the big finale in the Penguin's Lair, when she's going to take out Shrek. She's like, I'd love to live with you in your castle like a princess, but I just couldn't live with myself. He gets shot, Batman gets shot by Shrek, and she uses one of her nine lives to... A fucking metal is shit. She puts a taser in her mouth and goes in to kiss him while holding an electrical wire, and it elects electrocutes Shrek into a big old sh- burnt snossage Basically, <laughs> and, uh, she's nowhere to be found, mm-hmm. leaving leaving Batman broken and alone yet again. And God, it's it's such a downer movie. It it, it, it
0: really it is. Does not end it's in a, such. A-
1: it does not end on a triumphant note at all. Yeah, Merry Christmas, just- Sister Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, Alfred is like the only non-hurt broken person in this whole movie. He He's the only one that actually seems to like Christmas to mm-hmm. be, to be comfortable, to be happy, even though he's got to babysit Bruce's entire life. It just ends on this melancholy note of, you know, Bruce thinks he sees her in an alley. He just finds like a stray cat and he adopts it and brings it home. Merry Christmas, sir, says Alfred. And Batman's just like, Merry Christmas, Alfred. Goodwill toward men and women, and then just roll credits as we get the tease that Catwoman is still alive out there. Um, <laughs> God, it. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of any superhero movies that truly end on a on a note that dour. Maybe you can say Infinity War, but that's I think that's a little different because that's obviously a cliffhanger. It, it's
0: obviously a cliffhanger. Obvious. It's it's also a common... it's obviously
1: meant to. Yeah. Culmination, yeah.
0: Yeah, a culmination of an ongoing story arc has been own thing. its own standalone thing, yeah. yeah. And I guess what I
1: keep com- coming back to with this movie and what I appreciate it about it so much is that this is back when superhero movies were just movies. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, they're big budget. They have these huge marketing pushes. Of course, they're still mainstream entertainment. But it's still in that period where I guess you could say they didn't know what they were doing. And they actually let filmmakers put their artistic stamp on things. It wasn't real. So Batman Returns was. Yeah, Batman Returns was just allowed to be Batman Returns, you Mm -hmm. know? As it ages, as the train of the superhero genre just keeps chugging along without end today, like all of these past movies, like I, I'm just going to say it, pre MCU, pre pre-share, pre shared universe, they're just ripe for constant reevaluation, which is kind of an there's interesting no,
0: phenomenon because there's no formula established yet. As as the Green Goblin says in Spider-Man, back to formula? That's what happened with the MCU. <laughs> we went back to formula. We got stuck in it. And it became the same old routine for for about a good five or six years of the mcu everyone was on board because it was like yeah this is a new fresh take on superhero films where it's all connected in this big overarching story you've got you see all these characters making cameos and all these hints at what's coming next but like when that becomes the norm for superhero films you just stop caring because it's like, okay, it's just a big long commercial for the next thing with these older films. There wasn't a formula yet. We didn't know what kind we, we had the comics books to go off of, but adapting a comic book to a film was not a one-to-one ratio. And these creators were still trying to figure out like, you know, how much of the original essence do we put in? How much do we move away from it? How much do we focus on like, the heroics of it versus the tragedy of it. Because comics are weird. Comics are all over the place weird. They can be wacky
1: goofy. We we say that in every comic book-based episode we've done. I think at some point we all say
0: comics are fucking weird. And with total love in our hearts. Because they can go from, like, the wackiest, silliest shit to, like, the most dramatic and shocking moments, like, stuff you'd never see put to screen. It is wild the range that a comic can go through in a single issue, even.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's why we love them so much, is because they're just... Even though in so many ways, comics are bound to, like, a certain status quo that they have mm-hmm. to keep repeating, like, within that status quo, they can do whatever the hell they want. Like, if you try to describe... A superhero comic to somebody who has no idea what superheroes are, they'd be like, "What?" So you're telling me like a rich guy, like because he can't get over that his parents were killed in front of him, he 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 dresses up like a bat and
0: he fights crime. What? That sounds sometimes stupid as shit. <laughs> sometimes it's played for laughs. Sometimes it's played totally straight. Sometimes it's subverted in horrifyingly dark ways. Like there are so many ways that the comics reinterpret these characters and adapting it to film before MCU we didn't have like a you know a way of making that work for mainstream audiences we just had to guess we just had to you know Mm -hmm. figure out how to make our own creative takes on these comics and present them in a way that was palatable for the mainstream audiences
1: it's kind of a new phenomenon the superhero genre as it is now because because it's going full steam ahead and for so long and by full steam ahead, we all know it's not just like one movie a year, two movies a year. It's four to six movies a year if you count, the, you know, the occasional DC movie that will come out alongside with mm-hmm. Marvel movies and TV shows that you have to watch to keep up with now. And because it it's all coming out at such volume so steadily, it's like it feels like the, the window for reevaluation for older movies just like five or so years ago is is bigger now i just watched the wolverine again yeah um which came out in 2013 that wasn't that long ago 2013 wasn't that long ago the wolverine is like completely fresh in my eyes now As like some new experience just because there's been so many of these yes yeah. that a movie that's only like six years old or nah. whatever nine oh god yeah. jesus
2: fuck <laughs> <me>. <laughs>
1: Nine years old at this point is suddenly like this, This would, would I see the Wolverine with these eyes that I have now just re-watching it if we haven't had so many superhero movies mm-hmm. since? I don't think no. so. Back in 2013, we just had the Avengers. That was the like last big thing that came out. The X-Men franchise was still going kind of strong and like just nine years ago, the landscape for superhero movies was completely different. So, when you rewind that back all the way to 1992 for Batman Returns, it's like, holy crap. This came out in 1992? This is the weirdest, darkest, creepiest shit in the (laughs) world. How did this come out in 1992? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a a long, pretentious way for me to say the um, the age-old saying that they wouldn't make this movie today (sighs) at all.
0: It's not safe.
1: Not in the way it exists. Not in the overt sexuality, the horniness of all the characters, <laughs> the shocking images. Like, the Penguin's, like, leaking green-black ooze from his mouth like yeah. the whole movie. He's, <laughs> he's fucking gross, you know?
0: He wears this onesie under his coat at all times, and it's just stained and soiled and stretched out over his body, and it's, ugh. He's not pleasant to look at. And... <laughs>
1: And his endgame. He, he's gonna kidnap and murder the force the firstborn.
2: Yeah, he goes biblical.
1: <laughs> and like, that's so mm-hmm. like that's so like, oh my gosh, like that's different than Thanos with a glove with stones in it snapping to like destroy half the universe. That's like that's a concept too big to comprehend on a level that's like personal. You yeah. Know? And
0: that's a good way of putting it. A lot of superhero stuff now. Not all of it, but a lot of it doesn't feel personal anymore. Like, we keep going for grander and grander stakes and more and more spectacle, even though special effects are getting cheaper and faster and more rushed every year. But, like, it's, it's becoming more and more spectacle only and less and less focus on the actual, you know, individual character journeys going on. We've got the same old formula of new bad guys shows up, Says their stuff. Hero has like a moment where they question. It's the basic Campbell's hero's journey. We've just thrown a new fresh coat of paint on it. Whereas with Batman Returns, it's not like a hero's journey. Like it's not very heroic even. Like Batman, yeah, he's turned. yeah. I mean, he he saves kids
1: and you know he wants to and tries to save everybody. He can't. He can, but it's still. And it's not, not even
0: like, really focused on him. Like Catwoman and Penguin are much yeah. more the focus of the film. And having a movie. Well, I guess you could say with Infinity War, it was more focused on Thanos than the rest of the characters. But like having the villains be the central focus of the film and having their arcs be the driving force is not something we see very often anymore.
1: Because I I think now the whole appeal is the character, the hero. And duh, that sounds obvious. If you're going to make a superhero movie, you got to make it about the Mm -hmm. superhero. But now it seems like it's more okay how can we make this a personality that's marketable that's memeable that you know we could slap on a bunch of t-shirts and you
0: know and the sad thing is the villains suffer for it villains have always been Thanos is great I like Thanos, but he's an outlier. Amongst all of the villains in the MCU, he's an outlier. There's maybe like three or four good MCU villains, and the rest are serviceable at best. That You don't watch an MCU film for the villains, which is sad, because villains are such a cool part, such an integral part of the superhero comic genre. A villain defines the messages and themes that you're going to explore in your story. So when your villain is just like a a plot Plot device device with no real personality or charisma with just a generic same old, same old, I'm gonna destroy the world plot. It's it loses all of its weight. Like, even if the action is fun, even if the one-liners are quippy and funny and everything, the weight of the narrative is just lost because our antagonistic force just doesn't feel like something we can get invested in.
1: We we touched on this in our uh, Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy mm-hmm. episode, too many of the, these movies now, they're so insular in their focus where it's just about the the heroes and their interpersonal problems mm-hmm. and problems they create themselves that they have to fix. The, the outside world that the superheroes are supposed to protect either doesn't exist, you know, in the framework of the narrative or is just like a very superfluous background element that doesn't matter so much of what makes those sam raimi movies memorable and beloved by people is because that new york in those movies is populated with so many characters mm. just 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 one-off characters who might have like one line but like that one moment of that character who says something funny that flushes out You're the pizza world. guy
0: who says Whoa!
1: Yeah, that whole montage in the first Spider-Man movie where, like, it's man-on-the-street mm. interviews. Like, that's the that's the kind of personality, that's the kind of human element that these superhero movies don't have yeah, anymore.
0: We forget why we're actually saving the world in a lot of the modern stuff. It's like, why should we care if these people get saved? They don't even feel like people. They just feel like shapes mm. in the background. They're, pra- they're s- crash test dummies that need to get moved out of the way <laughs> of, you know, getting broken
1: and we always say we we don't want to shit on the MCU but i think we're <laughs> because Even it's gotten that, it's that gotten lie. so
0: bad <laughs> like in the last year it's gotten so bad last year like we had some hope for it there were some merits but like it's become more and more obvious that it's just a cash grab formula with glimmers of gold in between the trash and it sucks
1: (sighs) yeah that's that's why after guardians 3 i'm tapping out for good unless something comes along that genuinely makes me think that there's hope
0: Come on, heroes. I've got no again. interest in the next two Avengers films or phases or whatever the hell's coming next.
1: I know. Can you imagine? Like, if I told you that in circa 2016, hey, Isaac, about eight, nine years from now, they're going to be doing Secret Warriors. They're going to be doing Kang Dynasty. How fucking cool uh, is that? I would have been like... Y- uh, you're, but you're but you're not going to care. But you're not going <laughs> to care. Would you have laughed in my I, face? Probably. I would have <laughs> probably been like, they're still doing Marvel in eight to
0: nine years. They haven't rebooted yet. <laughs> Fair enough. You know it's sad when you're Fair asking enough. for a reboot because it's just like god, can we just start over? <laughs> you know. Well, that's that's what that's what DC's doing now and everybody
1: is absolutely in a tizzy because oh god, have you heard the news? Ah uh, what? Have you read the news today, oh boy? Oh no. <laughs> what happened? Um you saw Black Adam yeah. and you liked it. Yeah, Yay. it's good. Cool. You saw that Henry Cavill had a cameo. Mm-hmm. At the end. They recast Superman? Well, it <laughs> they made a whole big kerfuffle a couple months ago mm-hmm. where they announced Henry Cavill officially back as Superman. This decision was made before the James Gunn and his creative partner were brought on mm-hmm. board to shepherd the new era of DC movies. Today, announced, Henry Cavill is no longer Superman. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> How could they do this? Uh, James Gunn... Hit-
1: James Gunn himself is writing the new Superman movie. Um, so I'm clear if he's going to direct it or not. I love Henry Cavill's Superman. I'm not going to I'm not going to get into it with you. I know you have contentions about the Zack Snyder movies. I love Henry Cavill as an as, actor. <laughs> as much as I love those movies and as much as I desperately desperately wanted another Henry Cavill Superman. And it, yeah, it sucks he's not going to do it anymore. Like at this point, I'm ready to just move on. I'm ready to yeah. just Be excited that there's gonna that there's an actual creative head of DC now that knows his shit that is coming up with an actual plan to move forward and that we're gonna be getting some new movies finally without people worrying about what's canon, what's not canon. Bring this, bring this person back. Don't bring this person back. We want it. wipe the slate clean. Let's move forward. Because at the end of the day, I just want DC movies. I just I want to care about a a comic book franchise again. So yeah. James Gunn's got a lot of... <laughs> he's got a lot of headache coming his way, but um, I don't think he would have taken the job if... if
0: Ninja Turtles is good. That's a comic book. Ninja Turtles? It's an adaptation yes. of a comic That's book That's a comic book, series. book thing. Yeah, it was originally yes. a comic. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing great, putting out good stuff.
1: Yeah, the best... The best comic book movie of this year, after the Batman, is The Rise of the... Oh,
0: God, so good. So good. Go watch it. (laughs) Even if you haven't watched the series, go watch it. The animation will blow you away.
1: Oh, superheroes, what have you done to us as a culture? What else about Batman Returns, though? I don't know. I just fucking I love, love, love I love this movie. It's one of my favorite superhero movies. It's one. It's my favorite Batman movie. It's one of my the lighting in, my in this I, uh, film
0: is so constantly dramatic, and it's great. Oh like,
2: yes,
1: it's a gorgeous.
0: Like, look. you have this it's scene where he where Batman's brooding, waiting on the signal. It's just his face lit, and everything behind him is pitch black until the light pierces through the darkness you got the scene where the penguins at the graveyard where his parents were buried and you just have these streams of sunlight coming down on him over this like right in front of this church where it gives this aura of you're not entirely sure what to feel because you're watching this weird grotesque monster man walking down and i'm not saying that about his physical deformities i'm saying that because he's literal actual monster who has hurt all these people (laughs) but in this moment there's this weird serenity and calmness to him that's like it's so conflicting that it gives you all these weird emotions around what's going on and you're not sure entirely how much you're supposed to see it as like a sincere impactful moment for him or like a chance for him to continue building his reputation in the way he wants and the lighting does so much for that
1: yeah, the um, probably gonna butcher the cinematographer's name, uh, Stefan Zapsky. Um, He shot the hell out of the movie, and uh, I think I mentioned before the production designer, Bo Welch. Just everything he he does with Gotham here makes it a world. It took
0: up fifty percent of Warner Brothers' lots to do this movie. Oh yeah, huge, yeah. huge sets,
1: huge sets. I remember um, reading this old review that came out when the movie came out that actually uh, dissed the visuals of the movie and, and they they said it just looks like this movie that was dipped in an inkwell <laughs> and I'm like yes, that's what's appealing about it it's got this like it, it, almost can, it almost looks like a black and white movie at times because like the blacks are so mm-hmm. black and it's contrasted against the snow it's just like this beautiful dark fairy tale looking movie and you said like I like how the sky is just pure oh, pitch, pitch black. black. There's no stars. No, there's no nothing. Moves. It's, it's just it's
0: inky black. darkness.
1: <laughs> Gotham exists in a <laughs> void. So when I think of Gotham, like this is what I think about. When when people say Batman, the visual language of this movie is what pops into my mm-hmm. head first. Over any comic I've read, over any cartoon, it's this. Mm. It is iconic. Danny Elfman, I already mentioned the score. Um I think legendary. It, I think it's probably his best score um that he's ever done. And he's done some doozies. And doozies for superhero movies. He did the score for the first Batman movie. He did Batman Returns. He did um, Spider-Man 1 and 2. Those are great. He did the score for The Hulk, which is fantastic. The 2003 masterpiece that we hope to get to. It's on the list. There's another another one of they would not make a movie superhero. (laughs) No, they
0: wouldn't. And maybe for good reason. I'll have to give it a (laughs) rewatch to give my final (laughs) verdict. But...
1: Uh, I guess before you uh, go on to another segment and wrap it up, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> this is the last episode of Tongue and Cheer. Yeah. Do we want to talk about how the movie comments on Christmas? Sure. If, you, if that's something you thought of or took note of?
0: It is and it does it in sort of a roundabout way because Christmas is used as aesthetic backdrop a lot. But a lot of the themes of the political messages that we've touched on and the sort of greed of Max Shrek is presented through the way his company is just omnipresent. Like, Shrek's is just. Everywhere, Like, his symbology is everywhere. You hear it on the radio all the time. You see those little flyers with, like, the logo, the little cat-faced logo on it. It's a lot of background visual storytelling in how we're supposed to interpret this as a Christmas film. Because in terms of the main story itself, it's not like Batman is all like, Oh, man, I don't like Christmas, Alfred we go, you know, and then Alfred's like, so we got to make you, get ready for Christmas. Like everything that's happening with Christmas is just sort of background, but we're seeing it's more subtle in its messages, I think. And I'm not entirely sure what to make of it aside from, you know, the general anti-capitalist messages that we usually get in films like this.
1: It's interesting. You mentioned, uh, mentioned the anti-capitalist part because it was, it was actually going to be more explicit. There is a part where the, uh, penguin gang, uh, was gonna blow up a storefront, and mm-hmm. it was a store that was just selling a bunch of Batman merch. So, <laughs> so they kind of wanted to make like like a cheeky sort of like comment on the just the rampant empty commercialization of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the studio made them cut it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, Catwoman
0: uh, blows up a storefront. I think it's a storefront that she blew up.
1: Yeah, she's vandalizing a um, a Shrek's department store, and she blows it up. I like that there is uh It's not anti-Christmas, it's kind of pointing out the human fallacy and how people's egos and their own selfish goals undercut what Christmas is supposed to be because Mm -hmm. Shrek, um, he goes down to give a speech and he just, it's completely disingenuous, completely hollow, but he's using, you know, fluffy Christmassy language like, "I I wish I could give you all... I don't know why he kind of sounded like Bernie Sanders there. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Christopher Walken and I'm Max (laughs) Shrek. And if I could give you Christmas cheer and world peace and a big Christmas bow, I would. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... The movie's just kind of... There's this undercurrent of, you know, Christmas is just another sort of mask society puts on. Yeah,
0: and I think... You know, they don't... I think keeping all of it... I, I think keeping all of this in the background is good because it kind of also presents that, like... There's nothing especially, there's nothing special about Christmas. Like, at the end of the day, it's another day on the year. People don't stop being greedy and selfish and manipulative, and people don't stop being people. The world doesn't stop running because Christmas is happening. The fact that it's background noise in this just shows that, like... It kind of undercuts the idea that, like, oh, it's Christmas. Everything will work out. It's Christmas. You know, there'll be a happy ending. It's Christmas. It's like, no. At the end of the day, it's just another date on the calendar. Yeah,
1: and that's why I think Alfred's so important because every time he's around, he's doing something Christmassy. Uh, we see him in the beginning, he's carrying a bunch of presents in his arms. Presents for who? I don't know.
0: Are they for Bruce? Uh, I'm assuming. Did he just they and they're, wrap a bunch of presents for I'm Bruce. I'm assuming they're from <laughs> Bruce to Bruce maintain okay. his social life for him, even though he's not going to look at the presents himself. While they're. Aren't
1: any characters that are openly like fuck Christmas? Like he's the only character who enjoys Christmas. Mm-hmm. We see him decorating this giant fucking tree in Wayne Manor that he needs a ladder to mm-hmm. <laughs> to reach even the middle of while Bruce this, is like consumed in his Bruce. Poor old man. And, <laughs> this poor, yeah. poor old man. <laughs> no, he's he's good. He's doing his thing, and he's the only one who genuinely wishes Bruce to have a Merry Christmas at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, it's I don't know what my final point was, but I I guess the people of Gotham, even the heroes, quote unquote, don't embody what Christmas is supposed to be about, Mm -hmm. even though it's surrounding them, even though it's omnipresent around. So, yeah, there's there's your Christmas message for your
0: final Christmas Christmas episode. (laughs) Fuck you, Christmas doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It's empty. It's hollow. (laughs) Unless you're Alfred Pennyworth. Pennyworth.
1: beautiful, beautiful soul. Uh, who is, I think Alfred is my favorite non-superpowered character in all yeah. the comics. I love <laughs> Alfred so much. He's so perfect in every way. <laughs> Canonically perfect man that Alfred is. <laughs> and they killed him. He's dead. He's, he's been dead in the comics for a couple of years now. Oh, I, he'll be back. Spoiler I, mean, I know he'll be back, but like, I'm surprised he's not back yet. Um, so I'm surprised they've been keeping him dead for a while. Yeah, Bane killed him. Fucking Bane's a bastard. bastard. Anyway, are we doing
0: segments? You got any seggies? I really don't have that many. You know, I looked through some review review, but like, it was all either people really loved it and went way too long on it, or they just kind of said this tone isn't for (laughs) me. Like, it got an 81% critic and a 73% audience on Rotten Tomatoes, but like, there weren't really any fun, weird reviews for it, so...
1: If you want, like, fun analysis, you gotta kind of Google it specifically.
0: We could check the. Uh, does the dog die for it? That was fun when we did it with the Grinch. Does. Oh, yeah, check the Doug. The... Does the dug the Dug Dug? Does the dog die for does it? Does the dog die? Batman returns. Do you have any segments besides Is It Horny? Which we kind of just went through I mean, the whole thing. I with? don't even think we. Like, think <laughs> this movie is, is horny as fuck in multiple
1: ways. It's kinky. Batman and Catwoman got the kink going on hardcore the entire time. I don't. Tim Burton underst- he understood the assignment. He understood that there's there's a sexual component, either on the surface or just below the surface in a lot of comic books and their characters. And he, underst- he understands that. And so did Joel Schumacher mm. by um, basically making the Bat suits Greek sculptures with the nipples and the giant cod pieces and and everything bring bring the horny back bring the kink back to superhero hell yeah please
0: okay it's desperately needed batman returns does the dog die we're just gonna go through the ones that got marked yes are animals abused yes selena puts a small bird in her mouth and pretends to eat it It emerges unharmed okay uh is there a dead animal yes does an animal die yes the start of the movie oswald grabs onto a cat and fights it you can never see it coming out of the cage so it can be assumed it was killed hang on wait what hang on wait what okay this one's a no but i'm wondering why anybody put it in does a dragon die see that's why was that put in in the we were doing this for the Grinch. place
1: it's a no but like when we were doing this for the grinch i was convinced that people put these in just to to be trolls like just to be like funny <laughs> so does a dragon die? why on earth would there be a dragon in a in the bat- <laughs>
0: who, who asked that <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> Somebody some furry who's just really Does the cat die?
0: Yes, we just like... did that. Is someone gaslighted? Yes. Who's gaslighted? Ca- Gotham,
1: you could say Gotham is it, gaslighted
0: by penguin. Is and the Shrek. child abused? Yes, obviously. Is there amputation? Yes. Oswald shows the mayor the amputation? amputated hand of one oh, of his rivals. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Is someone burned alive? Yes. Someone is caught alight by the Batmobile. Does someone struggle to breathe? Yes
1: aren't we all struggling to
0: breathe <laughs> does someone fall to their death yes uh is a child's toy destroyed yes <laughs> is someone kidnapped yes does a parent die yes are there clowns yes are there jump scares yes does someone fart or spit yes i love that that's like a common one that shows up
1: <laughs> i like how it's i like how fart and spit yeah. are combined into one question
0: is a mentally ill person violent yes that's all of batman <laughs> That's that's the entire we've had that conversation already does a baby cry yes is there shaky cam yes is there able? there's not uh it doesn't have any comments on it it just had two yeses for is there shaky cam is there ableist language or behavior yes
1: hmm is there any comments on that one.
0: Yeah, the penguin was born with various physical malformations, which caused his parents to try and drown him as an infant throughout the movie, where he's supposed to be disgusted with his appearance. His attempts to garner sympathy from Gotham residents is portrayed as obliviously duplicitous. Are there fat jokes? Yes. The comment on that is that the penguin is wearing a fat suit, which is supposed to contribute to the feeling of disgust towards his looks.
1: See, that's that's an interesting conversation, because you... Have made an aside a couple times so far about being disgusted by him, but not because of his
0: appearance. No, because he's an um, actual monster. That, because he's a terrible yeah. person, which unfortunately you gets conflated say, with physical deformity a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. that's enough.
1: I was gonna say there's there's the, the harmful trope, unfortunately, of deformity being a shorthand for villainy. But I could be my bias considering this is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Filming, but I really think all of the disgust from penguin comes from how he acts like it has really it truly has nothing to do know. with it i don't we've it's, already it's, t- it's, it's it's his attitude it's his behavior it's his personality mm-hmm. no there's i i don't I, I don't think the movie frames him
0: physically as something to be repulsed. By. I think it does. His teeth are crooked and like green. His his suit is constantly dirty, and he he is wearing this fat suit that gives him a very rotund like lower body too, like a penguin. Like yeah, like we're yeah. I gotta agree there. There is some element of combining the you know physical deformity with his personality, unfortunately. Uh, does a car crash? Yes. Is someone to hit by a car? Yes. Is there gun violence? Yes. Is there blood or gore? Yes. Okay. So that's does the dog die? Okay. <laughs> this <clears throat> so many weird. Is electrotherapy used? No. Like, there's just so. <laughs> there's so just much. Just very oddly specific.
1: Yeah. yeah. I want to. I really want to know who contributes to this website. Uh, like, Silver is it like warrior wolf Did.
0: <laughs> they have names Silver Warrior Wolf yeah Tropical Remix do they have they have, have, like, they have w- usernames
1: <laughs> I don't think they. it's have a- probably like a Wikipedia type thing mm. you can just with- be a, like you just log in and do whatever
0: yeah with less editors <clears throat> keeping an eye on it uh yeah but that's the does the dog die review for it so
1: alright then alright uh I guess final question Isaac, do you like Batman Returns?
0: I do. I do. I think I definitely don't like it as much as you do uh, with it being one of your favorite films, but I think there's a lot to explore You hardly here. like anything as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff that I like a lot more okay, than Okay, well, that's that's all I wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't get nearly as excited for Sonic stuff as I do. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. We've got different tastes. But yeah, I really like it. I think there's Definitely. It's like you said, it's so different than any superhero stuff, even for its time period. Like, even when it did come out, it was Mm. so different compared to everything else. By now, it's a total enigma how this got made. It's just weird and different and interesting. Every character is a reflection of Batman, which is great. I love when a story actually connects everyone to the protagonist so we can explore their journey through the other characters. It's wacky and silly with its action. (laughs) It's so aesthetic. All the one-liners we talked about, it's so dramatically designed and lit. It's just, it's so, it's got such a personality to it that even the parts that I don't like or don't care much for, it still feels like a distinct part of the film that you can't really take out without losing a sense of what the film's about.
1: All right. Good summation, my friend. Respect. Respect. You want to rate the damn thing and be done with it? Let's do it. I will rate Batman Returns 10 rocket-strapped penguins. No! out, (laughs) Out of 10 happy alfred's on christmas
0: i had 700 out of a thousand missile launching penguins that was my rating (laughs) i knew that was gonna be yours too keep
1: that rating or create Uh, a new one up on the fly i'm
0: gonna give it one out of two botting monkeys now that we know
1: (laughs) (laughs) good thing good thing danny devito was
0: wearing that suit yeah thank god for the fat suit that saved danny devito's nuts (laughs) That's got me, Charlie. It's got me by the nose. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a like or comment. Yada yada. You've heard this a million times before. Thank you so much for joining us (laughs) for our second season. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sick of saying it. I'm sick of saying (laughs) it. There's nothing on the Instagram. Merry Christmas. I'm skipping the self-promotion. Thank you for listening to season two of Tongue and Geek. Uh, We're excited to return for season three, which will start in late January. Yes. Until then, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And remember... Don't throw your deformed penguin baby in the sewer. Tongue and Geek will appear in Infinity War. Oh shit! Retroactively, they're gonna edit us in. (laughs) Hey, there's Tongue and (laughs) Geek. Who are those two white dudes? (laughs) We get killed instantly.
1: We come out of the portal <laughs> and the end of the end game just. Oh my god, those are those two more white guys on the internet!
0: <laughs> Chitari shit blows us up like before we even really step out.
2: <laughs> oh boy.